Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. We thank you that you've given us the name that's above every name. Every name mentioned. The name of Jesus is greater. The name of Jesus is stronger. And then we have the Holy Ghost. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And then we have the gifts of the Spirit that help us function and have victory. We're so grateful to you. And I pray you will use me today as an instrument of your authority and your grace to the people. May everybody have an ear to hear. May people really listen and hear clearly what we're saying in the name of Jesus. And we expect freedom to manifest itself if needed today in this service. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Good to see everybody today. Praise the Lord. Wow, you got me up quick. Yeah, okay. Let's let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Mark 16 again. We talked last night a little bit about this. And we've got a lot to cover today, but that's okay. I'm going to do my best. You know, I've been studying this subject for 40 years. And so you learn a little bit if you stay with the Word. And then I've had a lot of experience with the devil and people, getting them free. Of course, some people I couldn't get free because they didn't want to be free. You know, don't pimp me. Some people act like they want to be free, and I say, well, okay, this is in you. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. Well, then just go on and be, be in bondage because yeah. I can't help you. Jesus can't help you when you got your pride up. Yeah, that's right. So I'm just saying this in the beginning. If I touch something, a nerve in you today, that's probably a good indication you need to get up here. Yeah. And I want to say this. I'm hopeful that many of you will take the time and spend the money. What is it, $25 for Sunday night? And come back in here tonight because we'll be here for three hours yeah. and talking on the same subject. You know, I can only cover so much. How many know that? No matter how anointed you are or whatever, you can't cover everything in one service really fully. So let's look here. We're talking about deliverance or freedom from the devil. And so let's look here at Mark 16, verse 15 says, He said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. I want to make a note of that. He said, go preach the gospel. So what he's going to say in verse 17 and 18, it has to be the gospel. Not part of the gospel, but the whole gospel. The best we know it. And these signs shall follow them that believe. I'm also pointing out there's no anointing mentioned in this verse. When I first started teaching on deliverance, I didn't know much about it. I just started at ground zero. That's where you start, you know, first grade or preschool, whatever. And I just began to do by faith what I did in the name of Jesus. That's all I knew to do. And God honored that. People got delivered. Many, many years later, of course, I was anointed, had a new anointing come on me for deliverance. But I've been praying for people for 35 years when that happened. So, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Notice it didn't say just the preachers. You know, because there's people you'll run into in your work and business and where you travel and where you go that'll need help. You know, and if you befriend them, you could get into their thing a little bit and then minister to them if they need it. 
It's not a long drawn out thing either. I don't believe in long deliverances. You can do whatever we want with that, but I don't believe that. I believe once I give the faith command, the devil has to obey me. Whether it comes out that second or 15 minutes later is not irrelevant to me. He's just going to come out. And if you don't know anything to let him back in, he'll stay out. All right. So it says here, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out demons. The very first sign he said would follow the believer would be cast out evil spirits. And that's the last thing I got to in the list. I saw laying on the hands first and other things. I didn't see that. I went to seminary. They never brought this up. One of the most prestigious academic seminaries among Southern Baptists, and they didn't even talk about it. Didn't have a class on it. How ignorant is that? That's pretty ignorant. And if you don't know yet, if you watch 6 o'clock news, unless you're just not right in your head, you realize that things people do to each other are not normal. They're not natural. They're demonic. All right. And we got an epidemic of a lot of things now. We've got an epidemic of suicide. We've got an epidemic of depression. Because <laughs> people don't listen to the Bible. So they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere, including Brentwood, Tennessee. The Lord working with Dr. Jacobs this morning and tonight, confirming the word with signs following. See, God confirms what we preach. So we're not preaching on prosperity right now. We're not preaching on marriage. We're preaching on deliverance, how to be free from demon power. All right. Now let's go, let's go over here to uh, Luke chapter 4 a minute. Luke chapter 4, and let's read this verse, verse 18. I'm just getting started here. I'm just giving an introduction. And then we've got, we got 10 things we want to talk about this morning that deal with ways that people, you know, could open doors so you could shut those doors. You know, if you got all the doors shut, nothing can get in. I'm talking about spiritual doors. All right. So it says here in Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord, Jesus speaking, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. So what we're doing, we're just following his lead. You know, he's, he's the one that said the things I do, you could do also. John 14, 12. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do all and greater. So I'm showing you part of his calling, part of, part of his job description and part of the preacher's job description and really all believers is to preach deliverance to the captives. And there's different levels of captivity. You know, not everybody that's crazy is locked up in an asylum somewhere and on a lot of meds. There's a lot of people on meds, but they're driving their car and going to work, acting normal until something happens. How many are listening to me? This word captive is an interesting word. This is what it means to be held as a prisoner. So if the devil's in your life at any level, he's trying to hold you there as a prisoner. And secondly, it means to influence or dominate where the devil tries to dominate people. How many know what I'm talking about? To be held under the control of something. I was in uh, Siberia and I had a word of knowledge about drug addiction. Of course, I'm ex-drug addict, ex-drug dealer. And I said, if you're a current addict, get up here. 37 people came to the altar. Church of about 1,200. 
I said, I'm not talking about something you were years ago. I'm talking about today. You shot up. You snorted up. You're a drug, you're a drug addict. Get up here. Mm-hmm. 37 people came. I cast the devil out of every one of them. And they got delivered. <laughs> now, I haven't always had that kind of response, but I'm just talking to you here. No matter what devil it is, it'll have to come out if we talk to it. All right. Now, it means to be held under the control of something. I've had people, and I've been a pastor a long time too, I've had people under control of all kinds of stuff in their life. Some that I hate to mention, but you know, they're just addicted to themselves, addicted to all kinds of wrong thinking, wrong movies, wrong stuff, wrong people. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm just talking here. It says being held in a situation that makes departure difficult. That's what the devil does. He tries to hold you in that area. And if you don't get rid of him pretty soon, it spreads over into other things. Some people are habitual liars. They just can't tell the truth. They just fabricate everything. Some people are habitually addicted to something. Some of them are pharmaceutical drug addicts. Some of them are drug addicts out on the street in the alley buying dope, you know, or whatever. Some people are addicted to sex. You get like that, eventually nothing will satisfy you either. The devil will kill you. Because there's a lot of disease. When I was a teenager, there was only two or three diseases I knew about. But now there's like 40 of them. And some of them will destroy your insides. I'm just talking to you. I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm just talking. You just can't think you can do anything you want and get away with it. All right. Just talking to you. So we want to we help people to be free if that's what they need. Now, let me say something before we get into the full throttle of what I want to say. No, no, we're not talking about demon possession, but we're talking about demons that get involved in the body of Christ. I could, I haven't got time to teach you that. Maybe tonight I will, how a believer could have a demon, but I've got several verses on it. I don't have time this morning, but a person can usually deal with a demonic attack on their own in the earlier stages in other words, if so, you, let's say you do something one time and you, you feel convicted and you repent of it and you turn from it and you're free of it. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes people go back and back and back and they get entrapped in that and it becomes a stronghold for the devil. Yeah. And he'll make you see everything in the light of your stronghold now yeah. and continue to tempt you until he tries to destroy you. That's his, that's his ultimate goal. Yeah. As a demon gains further territory, however, outside help, will be necessary. And that's where I can come in or, or your pastor could do the same. No, no possession. We don't mean full control. However, the believer can give demons access to their souls or their bodies, depending on how they live and different things. Are you listening to me? Anytime you choose to rebel against the word of God, I don't care what it is. You know, if you don't tithe, you're in rebellion. <laughs> okay. Let's just put that out there. If you don't pray, you're in rebellion because the Bible says that man ought always to pray and not give up. Okay. Anytime you choose to rebel against the Word of God, how about, you know, husbands and wives respecting each other, giving place to one another, submitting to one another, not just the woman submitting. Come on. You know, praise the Lord. You resist the devil by submitting to God first. So what I'm going to teach you today has to do with things, access, how the devil gains access into your life. How many would like to know? All right. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. 
Galatians number one, we're going to talk about this. Let me say a little side thought here about deliverance. Uh, Galatians chapter five, you know, you need to go with people that uh, understand what you're doing. Now, I know what I'm saying is Jesus sent people out two by two. Yeah. I think that's a safe thing to do. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Yeah. I've never ministered to a lady alone, yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. I have a staff member with me, usually my secretary or another lady that worked for me for a while or another man, but usually a lady. If it's a lady, I don't want a lady there to validate what was said and done in the presence of that situation. See, be smart. <clears throat> don't be ignorant. And you need somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah, praise God. I, I remember I knew a fellow one time and he had me over for dinner, me and my wife, and he was really called. He had an anointing on his life, but he was not submit, not to me. And I said, well, this pastor over here, I know him personally. He would help mentor you and teach you how to get into your ministry, but he didn't do that. So two or three years later, I saw him. He was at my church. He came, came to my church and he got out of this van, him and his, him and his wife and another couple. When the second couple got out, the lady had blonde hair. The Lord said, be careful of her to me. I didn't know her. She's a visitor. And so two weeks later, he calls me, the man I'm talking about who wouldn't go to the pastors to submit, didn't listen to my advice. And he calls me up and he said, I want to ask you something about deliverance. And I said back to him, you're not thinking about ministering to that lady that was with you in that van that day, are you? He said, how'd you know that? I said, God told me to tell you, I'm warning you, don't do it. You'll end up in bed with her. He ignored it, had sex with her. Then he called me a month or two later and said, I need your help. And all four of them came to see me. You won't believe people are this ignorant. So I had a man in my church and a lady in my church waiting and me. He sat in a chair with his wife on one side and this other lady that's married to this guy on the other side. And he took their hands and he said to me, can you believe the guy would say this to me? You're just amazed when people say stuff to me. <laughs> I want, no, I mean it. Yeah. I wanted to beat the you know what out of him. He said, I want both these women. Then I jumped on him and grabbed his head and said, come out. And he pushed my hands off, said, I don't want that. I looked at the lady that he'd slept with. And I said, what about you? Do you want to stay in this garbage? And she broke down and cried and said, my God, no pat preacher pray for me. I want out of this. Mm. Of course, that's the first time the husband and the wife knew about that. Mm. It's quite a deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. He didn't want deliverance. Mm -hmm. See, he pushed my hands away so I couldn't help him, but I helped the girl. Yeah. And her husband, I said, you need to move away. They were next door neighbors. I said, I don't care what it takes. You need to get a motel room. Right. Don't be around this guy at all. He's crazy. Yeah. He ended up divorcing his wife. He had three little girls. Ended up getting arrested for peeping Tom. Lost a good job at UPS. Mm. He just destroyed his life. He ended up in a mental hospital. Mm. He called 10 years later. Wanted to know if he'd come to my church. I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. You're going to go someplace else, you can do that. You're not coming to my church. I don't trust you around my sheep. God bless you. Amen. Yeah. Did you really say that? I really said, I've asked people to leave my church and made them leave. Yes. I'll get a court order, or myself and my deacons or ushers can take care of you. If that's not sufficient enough, I'll have the police here. Because yeah. you're a predator and you're not invited in my church anymore. Yeah. If I found out things about them. Yeah. You're glad I'm not your pastor today, I know. But. <laughs> 
It's all right. I'm glad I'm not too. Hallelujah. I'm right back at you. Real shepherds guard the flock. I know your pastor thinks like me. Hallelujah. So here in Galatians, let's read this. We're, these, this is the first door that sometimes comes open. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Now the first three have to do with some kind of sexual immorality. And all, lasciviousness just means a lack of self-control. And then verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. Here's something, when you're in strife all the time, you open the door. Yeah. Yeah. Seditions, which is, which is uh, you know, wrong teaching, and heresies, and different things like that. Idolatry just means you love something more than God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, praise God. Are you listening to me? Yes, now, all of these things are called works of the flesh, mm -hmm. but I'm saying this to you on purpose. You could do one of those things and repent yeah. and not be an addict to it. Right, yes. That's right. But if you continue to do those things, anything listed here, mm -hmm. how about wrath? Some people are just mean and mad about everything. Yeah. <laughs> and some people just argue with you about everything. Yeah, I'm talking to you here. Amen. And witchcraft here has to do with drug and drug abuse in the Greek, pharmakia. That's what the word is where we get pharmacy. Different things like that. So you could, you could do something and get away from it, repent and stop it. But if you keep on doing these works of the flesh, I guarantee you the devil will make a stronghold there. He'll camp out there with you in your life and he'll continue to tempt you to continue in that way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like somebody that's mad at everybody and they think it's everybody else's fault. Yeah. You ever met somebody like that? Yeah. Well, they did this and they did that and they said that. What about you? Right. You strifer? Yeah. You hater? Yeah. I'm just warning you, this is a big door. And I would, when I go through this list, we just went through it, you need to close all those things up. Yes. And later he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and develop yourself in the fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering means you put up with people. Yes. You don't have to fellowship with them, but you need to put up with them sometimes. And sometimes they're relatives, yeah. you know, so anyway. You listening to me? Yes, yeah. So you've got to stop giving in to the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. You're going to have a flesh body until you leave this planet. So you better well get a hold of it. Sometimes it comes in gluttony and all kinds of forms, but it just comes. And you've got to deal with that and cut that off. And learn to manage your life better and your flesh better. That's right. That's right. How many are really listening? Yes. Okay, 17 of you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so that's door number one. Now, number two is rebellion. And let's go back to, uh, let's go back to 1 Samuel uh, 15. Let me ask you to turn there with me. 1 Samuel 15. And what is rebellion? Rebellion is when a person revolts against established authority. It could be in the church. You know, as a sheep, you don't like your pastor because he said something that offended you. Well, you might as well go sit in the car because I'm probably going to offend you too today if you're... No, I'm serious. You've got to learn to take a, uh, be taught and be corrected in a loving way, but in a firm way, because we care about you. If I didn't care about people, I wouldn't teach any of this. 
but I care about people being free if they want to be free. Amen. And I think some people, I think most people really in their heart want to be free. Yeah. 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 So they, there can be revolt or rebellion against church authority. You know, and I told my church many times, I said, I'm not going to get up here and justify anything. If I threw somebody out of the church, it's none of your business. Right. I'm in charge here and you're not. And I'm not going to get in the pulpit and try to tear somebody else down publicly to validate what you think of me. If you don't trust me to do what's right, go somewhere else. Okay. Pat on the back. Thank you. You all look at me like a dog at a new pan. Don't know whether to eat of that or not. Yeah. You know, some of us are just right, and it sounds startling to some people. You know, the pastor is in charge. All right. So people rebel against the church authority, they, and, and they rebel against home authority. Sometimes wives and husbands get in rebellion with each other, want to do their own thing, baby, you know, type of attitude. Or how about businesses? Well, you work for somebody, you're supposed to do what they say. And I tell people, I told people for years, as your pastor, if I don't ask you to do anything illegal, immoral, or unethical, right. all you have to say is, yes, sir. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Exactly. You say that, I said that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I don't ask you to do something illegal, immoral, or unethical, all you need to say is, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. End Amen. of discussion. Yes. You sound like a tyrant. No, I sound like a man in authority when That's I right. pastored the church. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of problems in our church because we took right. care of them. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's right. And sometimes privately I'd counsel people. I said, you, I'm going to give you six weeks to straighten up. If you don't, you're out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You think I'm kidding? You push it. Yeah. 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 I had a guy come. He's yelling at his wife in the hallways and scaring my people. He's screaming. And I said, if you want to go up to Frisch's up the road and beat up each other in the parking lot, have at it. But you're not going to do it in my church or my church parking lot. You're not going to intimidate my members. Either straighten up or leave. And you don't think I'm kidding you? I could put you out myself. I got plenty of ushers know how to handle you. Come on. No, we don't got baseball bats, but we know how to handle people. Some of you are looking at me like you never heard nothing before. But sometimes people get fired because they don't submit to the authority. And if your boss doesn't ask you to do something unethical, immoral, or illegal, you should just say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, and do it. Amen. What's wrong with that? If you got a job. You know, and we just, we see this all the time. People get fired and people can't get a job and can't keep a job. There's a problem with you if you can't do that. And it's a big problem. And it's going to add up as you get older. Talking to you here. Well, thank you. Look at this verse. This is a startling verse, uh, 1 Samuel 15, 23. For rebellion, are you with me? For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I don't think you'd be going to a seance if you had any sense or down to some psychic reader in this city. They've probably got some people read your palm, tarot cards, the whole nine yards. But you wouldn't do that. You've got the Holy Ghost to tell you about your life and your future. Yes. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And you know, in the Bible, when people got into witchcraft, they didn't repent. They, they were suffered some major consequences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. You know, everybody, I figure, and this is what I found out after a long period of time. Everybody's carried away with something. Some people are NASCAR people. Some people are just all kinds of people. 
recreation people, basketball people, football people, yeah. baseball people, or whatever your hobbies are. If your hobbies take your life over, that's idolatry. You're, you're putting that in front of God. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so we're pointing some things out. Now let's go to a really interesting verse in Proverbs 17. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad we're talking. We're not trying to hurt anybody, trying to help everybody. But if we didn't say this, how would you know this? Yeah. And what's pathetic is sometimes people, even in my church, they've done, you know, they were married, they got divorced, then they married somebody else, and they never forgave their first mate to deal with it, and they brought all that garbage into their second marriage. Yeah. And guess what it's going to do? Fail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a lady in my church that had the spirit of uh, adultery on her. She just kept on having sex with all kinds of people. Her husband brought her to me and I said, well, I guess that out of her. And I did. And she's been normal ever since. Hallelujah. And stayed married to the guy she is with. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Did you really do that? I really did that. You go to hell for lying as well as other things, you know, just telling you the truth. I haven't got time to play with this and patty cake it. So, you know, this is just the way I think. I'm just a straight shooter. I'm not out to get you. I'm out to help you. And if I'm not talking to you, you know somebody I'm talking about. One of your relatives or whatever. Proverbs 17, 11, look at this. An evil man seeketh only rebellion Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. So when you get into rebellion in any form, rebellion to the word, rebellion to your pastor, rebellion in your family, whatever, there's a cruel messenger. That word messenger means an evil spirit is sent against you, not from God. God doesn't send evil spirits. But you opened the door to the devil when he came through that doorway of rebellion to attack you and oppress you and put you in bondage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are you really listening to me? Yes, I appreciate it too. Listen. Yeah. Now, okay, so we've talked about two things. What? The works of the flesh and rebellion. Yeah. Number three is unforgiveness. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians. We brought this out last night. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we want to look at scriptures. This is why I'm saying, you know, it takes a little time to get this taught because I could say all this and you'd say, well, you know, Dr. Jacobs just said this. No, I'm not Dr. Jacobs. The Bible says this. Amen. That's what will put you over what the Bible says about you. And, you know, I don't have time to give every scripture on everything or we'd be here till tonight. And I, I need to get some lunch and I need to go home and rest and pray and come back for more. And I hope you can come tonight. I'm serious. We talk about a lot of other things. Unforgiveness. Let's look here in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. And really, this is talking about the man that came to church <laughs> with his father's wife, had his arm around her, was having sex with her, was sleeping with her. And Paul said, I've turned him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. That tells you who destroys the flesh, Satan. Yes. And put him out of the church. Now people just, they get mad at us. They just go over to our buddy's church on the other side of town mm -hmm. until he says something they don't like. Then they go over there and then they go over. Mm -hmm. Back in the Bible days when you got excommunicated from the church, I'm not talking Catholic, I'm talking Bible. Yes. Brother, that was a serious thing. Yes. 
You lost your covering. And he came back. The guy came back. He straightened up. And he came back and he repented. And that's what he's talking about here, about forgiving this guy because he did make the corrections. Hallelujah. You listening to me? And so verse 10 says, and I've not got time to tell you the whole thing, but that's the essence of what he's dealing with. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. And if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. So in Christ Jesus, which is what we're in, we're in him, in Christ, you could forgive everybody of everything. And like I said last night, that's one of the biggest open doors that people have is unforgiveness. I put it in a different term, bitterness, hatred. You know, you're just so mad at somebody that did you wrong. Yeah. yeah, I had a guy pull a weapon on me one time when I was a drug addict and he threatened to kill me and I didn't have a weapon. And so I left. Thank God he let me live without shooting me in the head because I was in the woods. And I left and then I got married a couple years later and I told my wife, I said, I just want to tell you one thing. If I ever see so-and-so, I will get out of the car and I will kill him right on the spot. See, that's the way I was thinking. It's the way you think as a drug addict. But I wasn't a drug addict then. But he had so intimidated me that time, I just felt I'm going to get you back. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the preacher. I remember the preacher. I don't remember him talking about forgiveness. I had my wife's hand. We walked outside the Baptist church one day and I said, you know what? I forgive so and so. And she locked a fell out in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm not going to kill him. <laughs> did you mean it? I sure did. Yeah, but see, God was dealing with me to get rid of all that hatred and all that bitterness and, and people that did me wrong in drug deals. And it's on and on and on and on I could go. You know, I lost several of my friends shot to death. You know, you kind of get uptight about it. You can forgive everybody because you're in Christ, and you better. Well, you say they don't deserve it. That's not the issue. You don't deserve it either. I don't deserve it. But Jesus has taken me as I was, a drug addict at the time, and cleaned me up and made me, made me whole, healed my brain so I could have a memory again. I burnt my brain out for a while. Anyway, he restored all that to me. But you've got to forgive people. That's a big door the devil uses to get to people. And like I said, you people that have been divorced, and just all kinds of tragedies have happened. Don't center up on the tragedy. Center up on getting free from the unforgiveness or bitterness. Listen, God knows how to take care of you if you'll just forgive people. Then he says, least Satan, look at the next verse, least Satan should get an advantage of us. So if I'm not forgiving of people, then the devil's going to have an advantage with me. It didn't have anything to do with anybody else. It had to do with me. Giving him an advantage. You know, a smart people, just normal people that are smart, third grade educated would know, I don't want to give the devil any advantage in my life. So I'm saying to all of you, you need to forgive. If you need to forgive while I'm preaching, just under your breast, let it be known to God. Father, I forgive that person. Or 70 people or 40 people or 20 people or 10 people or or whatever you got to deal with. I know people aren't that hateful, but I'm just talking. Don't get up here in the line without forgiveness because it don't work. Mm -hmm. I told about a lady last night and I operate in discerning of spirits from time to time and I cast the devil out and the devil came out and he jumped right back in her. I saw the whole thing. I said, 
you've got unforgiveness about somebody, don't you? No. I said, you're lying about it, sure enough. Did you say that? I sure did. I had a lady with me and another man helping me minister to them. And I said, yes, you do. Who is it? I said, you need to think, sister, or just give it up, because I'm not going to pray for you anymore unless you tell me. Well, my husband. And I said, would you forgive him if I lead you in a prayer? She said, yeah. And I led her in a prayer, and she forgave her husband, and the devil came out as his own, because I'd already given the command, remember? But she was in unforgiveness. He had access to get right back in her. Talking to you here about some stuff. At least Satan should get an advantage. When you're, when you're bitter towards people and you're hateful towards people, I mean, pastors know this. Man, talk about people doing us wrong. People you've invested your life in, people you're in covenant with, people you've saved their lives, you've got them healed, you've saved their marriage. I remember one guy went to his house, took the pistol away from him. He was going to kill his wife and him and took them through their vows later in their living room. And he left the church and told lies about me that I didn't care about them. That's just a flat out lie. But I'm not defending myself. I'm just saying we know what it is to be hurt by people that lie about us. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Don't let Satan get an advantage. And, and let, let's read the rest of this. For we are not ignorant of his devices. The things I'm sharing with you today are the tactics and the devices and the schemes of the devil. This is how he works. And sometimes people don't understand that. So they give way to these different things. I'm talking rebellion, yeah. Yeah. the works of the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, sir. We got it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. All right, let's go, to the, let's go to the fourth door. Abnormal sexual activity. Let's go over to Ephesians. Uh, I think it's Ephesians 5. Let's find it here. Ephesians 5. Yeah. All right, Ephesians 5 and beginning in verse 3. I, just, I could read a hundred scriptures on this in the New Testament. I'm just giving you a few. Ephesians 5 and 3, but fornication and all uncleanness. How much? Oh. All uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as become saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, always coveting something somebody else has, maybe their wife, their husband, or their car, or their house, and, but also it's talking about immorality here a lot, who is an idolater, he doesn't have any inheritance or her either in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So we're talking about this because I put down any kind of sex outside of marriage covenant is abnormal. Amen. And it's going to put you in bondage. Yeah. How about this? Any kind of sex in marriage that's not endorsed by God, well, that it'll, it'll cause, in, by God, is abnormal. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I, we were, we were in a hotel room somewhere in America. I don't remember where I was at. And we turned TV on. It's 9 o'clock at night. And one of the channels had sex toys and had two ladies on there telling you how to use them. You better knock that stuff off. God gave you equipment to have a good sex life, period. Do I need to be more blunter or is this sufficient? You get involved in all that weirdness, it's going to corrupt your life. It's going to, a little leaven will spread the whole thing and you're going to end up in hell maybe or dying young. Yeah, yeah, that's good. The devil's not playing with you. 
Right. I'm certainly not either, but I mean, he will, he will destroy your life yeah. through abnormal sexual activity. I always, somebody asked me, was it okay to do this? I said, I don't know what your wife think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, she don't agree with that. Well, then I wouldn't force that on her, idiot. What's the matter with you, men? You think I'd get an amen from the ladies. When you try to force somebody to do sex acts that they're not comfortable with, you're in violation of dominating another human being, and God doesn't look on that with any kind of favor. You're going to be in some big trouble. I'm just telling you what I know from the Bible. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah is a good example. Lot chose the right, wrong place to live. He said, you can take my daughters. Oh, they didn't want them. They wanted those two angels. Yeah, and then those two girls ended up raping their own dad, and that's what the Middle East is all about today, the children of those two girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You better keep it normal. Yeah, but somebody told me about, you shouldn't be listening to that anyway. Let me just say another word about this since you got me on this. You don't need to be talking to anybody about your sex life, somebody you work with, another man if you're a man or another woman, and certainly not the opposite sex. Because you might be set up by the devil and that person say, I'd love to do that with you. Then what are you going to do? See, I've just been around a little bit, 40 years, you know, in the ministry, 43. This is my 43rd year. I've had all kinds of weirdness in people. Not everybody's weird, but a lot of them are in some area. I'm just dealing with this for a minute so you understand clearly what I'm saying. Don't want to be in bondage. You've got to keep that door shut to any kind of abnormalcy. Hallelujah. I know today's society, our culture says anything goes, do it one time, do it 10 times. It don't matter. Well, it does matter. It matters to God. And it should matter to you if you're a Bible believer. You said you were a Christian. That means a little Christ. Anointed Christ. A little anointed Christ. Okay. How about this one? Repeated indulgence in sin. Let's go back to Proverbs 5. Are you getting anything yet? I know somebody don't want to say amen at the wrong place here when I say stuff. (laughs) That's okay. Hallelujah. Uh, This is number five. I've got five more. Oh my gosh, you got five more. Repeated indulgence in sin because you need to keep away from getting involved in things over and over again. Let me show you what happens. Uh, Proverbs 5.22, his own iniquities or her own iniquities, that's sin, shall take the wicked himself and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. See, sins have cords that go with it. Like, for example, now, 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 Caleb, Michael here, he looks like a pretty healthy guy. You know, he's got some good arms. And, but, you know, if he put him, I put him in a single chair and put duct tape around him twice, I think he could probably bust it. But if I wrap that duct tape around him a hundred times in the chair, wherever he goes, the chair's going with him. Yeah. Wow. He's not able to get out of that. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you go back to the same stuff over and over and over and over and over. Oh, they don't matter. And then eventually you go, oh my God, I can't get out of this. You know, that's kind of like Samson. I could hear his mother, get you a nice Jewish girl. He liked the girl down at the topless place. 
Delilah, she is a wicked woman. And he liked it. And he lied to her for a while, but eventually she got to him and he said, the trick is in my hair. So she had sex with him. He fell asleep. They came in and shaved his head and he's got nothing now. Somebody ignorantly said to me, well, he killed more in his death than in his life. I said, that's a stupid thought. He was supposed to live on and do what he was told to do by God. What's wrong with you? He killed more in his death. See, people don't think right. So if you continue to indulge in something, anything that's, that you know is wrong, it says iniquities, that just means a sin, you know, then you'll be holding with that thing eventually. Yeah. Now let's go to first Peter five. Let me, I'm still talking about that. Let me show you something here. That's interesting. First Peter five about this thing, about not going back into things again and again and again. First Peter five and verse eight. I'll let you find that reference for a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Peter five and eight. It says, be sober now, that's not talking about sobriety, although we'll talk about that later. You shouldn't be drinking. Here's another thing in the new church. It's all right to drink a little wine. Who told you that? I'm going to give you some scriptures that repudiates that. And I've got tapes somewhere. I don't know if I brought them with me on drugs and alcohol that I did an intense study on that 15, 20 years ago and show you that it's wrong to drink alcohol because it affects the way you think or do drugs. There's a lot of people now that are in remorse over, oh my God, I shouldn't have went to that party. I can't believe what I did at at that party. Well, because you were inebriated either with drugs or alcohol or just your own lust. You got in trouble. Be sober, be vigilant. The Greek says, be sober, be sober. In other words, alert. Because your adversary, your opponent, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking who he may devour. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give him opportunity to bite. How about you? Right. Come on. So you're going to have to be alert all the time. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're sitting watching TV and all of a sudden people are taking their clothes off. You ought to flip the channel. Hopefully you don't have that on your TV anyway, but I mean, the access to sin is so on the phones anymore. You can get into porn just in a matter of three seconds if you want it. You're just going to have to learn to cut all that off. And how about these video games? You can't be cutting people's heads off and slicing people up and think that don't affect you after a while. You're becoming inhuman. What do you think with all these mass killings? I don't think anything about it. I think it's terrible. That's what I think. And I think there's always a cause. There's always a reason behind that. Mom and dad are ignorant. Let their kid do anything. I don't want to tell him not to do it. Well, you're not even a good parent. I raised my kids. I didn't just birth them. I raised them. And when they were in my home, they did what I said. Period. No exception. Just talking to you here. I'm off on something here, but I feel like carrying it out. But anyway, you're going to have to learn this. Be sober. Be alert all the time. And don't just casually get into something. You know, I'm in motels all the time. Sometimes they have terrible shows on there. HBO and Cinemax and Showtime and all that stuff. And all kinds of weirdness is happening if you don't pay attention. 
so I don't watch that stuff. Because I don't want to expose myself to that. You know what? God wants us to be clean. How many know what I'm saying? He wants you to be, and you got to work on that constantly. You can't just work on it for a day and then do anything you want the rest of the week. (laughs) You're a Christian 24-7. Just because you're not in this building doesn't mean it's okay to do stuff. All right. Number six, tragedies. Sometimes people have a tragedy. Sometimes somebody has to bury somebody, and it's a relative. And, uh, I, I, you know, that's a terrible thing, especially if they're children and they're your children. You had to bury a child over sickness, disease, or whatever, a car accident. I, I'm just talking. I'm not making fun. But you can't let that get in you to where you're mad at God. God's not killing anybody. Get your theology straight. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And the Greek says, and life until it overflows. Until you have so much it flows out of you. The thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But a lot of believers act like that God's responsible for everything. He's not. No. You've got to judge it. If it's destroying and taking away from you, stealing, killing you, then that's the devil's territory. That's what he does. That God is a good God. Yeah. Of course, if you don't close these doors I'm teaching you about, you open it wide, the devil will come in and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's talking to you here. Don't, give him a, don't let him have advantage of your life. So what I'm saying is sometimes... People go through tragedies, even divorce, and sometimes that person becomes unresponsive. They act stoic. They don't have any emotions anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so hurt. They're so beat up. But you don't have to stay there if you're like that today. Listen, you can live a good life. You can live a clean life. You can live an abundant life. You can live a joyful life, a life of peace if you just listen today. The devil's going to try to take that away from you, your peace. But you're going to have to pay attention. First Peter 5, I just taught you the verse before the one says, be sober, be sober in the Greek. But it says, casting all your cares, all your worries, all your concerns upon him once and for all. Now, I've been saved a long time, almost 50 years. But I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I decided I'm not going to worry about nothing. I don't care who I bury. I don't care what, you know, I care about people. Listen to me carefully. I care about people, but I'm not going to let other people's stuff affect me where my faith won't work anymore. You better watch your faith. So you can't live any way you want in the natural because the devil will mess you up. And then when you need your faith to work, it won't work because faith works out of a clean conscience. Oh, I wish I had two hours to talk about that, but... All right. Now, here's a biggie. Let's go to Job 3. This is the next door. Job, can anything good come out of... Oh, there's a lot of revelation in the book of Job if you rightly divide it. Job chapter 3, the next thing I'm talking about is fear. You're going to have to get rid of all the fears. Well, what kind of fears? Every kind of fear. People look at me sometimes and say, I'm afraid to fly. Why? I don't know. I just am. Well, if you just let that take over and then you'd be afraid to drive and then you'd be afraid to go to work and you're afraid to go to McDonald's, somebody's going to shoot you and you're going to end up in the closet with house shoes on your ears drooling because you're on meds. See, the devil just take a life a little bit at a time. You got to deal with fear. I had to deal with it in my life. Fear of everything. How about a fear of getting old? How about a fear of somebody going to love me when I get old? 
How about a fear of how am I going to make it when I get old? Yeah. Well, you're young. You're not thinking about that now, but you'll be my age someday. Yeah. I'm 70. Yeah. I know I don't look it. No. God did good. Take care of me. Yeah. He's still taking care of me. Yeah. But anyway, you've got to get over all the fears. Yeah. A fear is a monster. Yeah. And it is a major door for people. Fear is a major door where the devil gets in people's lives. Mm-hmm. How about young people? You know, back on that thing, dating people. Well, if you'd love me, you'd let me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're afraid that your, your boyfriend's going to leave you. You're afraid your girlfriend's going to leave you. Right. Don't Just get rid of her. Right. Get rid of him. Yeah. You're not married. Just say, bye-bye. Right. I'm not interested in that. Because right. people try to defile you. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Mm -hmm. Just talk it to you here. But this fear is a major thing. Look at here. Job said this. uh, Job 3.25. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. You know how faith will bring the promises of God to you when you have a promise from God. We just sang about Mm -hmm. nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Remember we just sang that? But if you're in fear, it draws the things of the devil to you. A fear of what? A fear of anything. Nobody's going to love you. Are you ever going to find the right mate? Are you ever going to find the right job? I don't know what it is with people. Just whatever it is, deal with that and put it in the blood of Jesus. And so, because the thing that I greatly feared, he didn't just fearful, he greatly, and the thing that I see he did, he had fear about his children. Oh, maybe my kids have cussed and, you know, and uh, rebuked the Lord. And he's given offerings for that. You shouldn't be doing that. You should do that one time. Turn your kids over to God and tell God you're trusting him to take care of your children and raise them. And you do your part as a parent. Don't leave it all up to God. But you do your part too. But then you just release that. Preaching really good right now. What happened if somebody gets in trouble? Well, believe for him to get out of it. Get on the other side of that. You know, one day I answered the phone as my daughter. She said, Dad, I got a brain tumor. Friday night at 6 o'clock. Said they want to take it out Monday morning at 5 o'clock. It's as big as a hardball in my brain. They said, you know, you might not use the bathroom. You might not, you might not even make it off the table from the surgery because there's arteries and stuff going through that tumor. And I may not be able to talk. I might not be able to walk. We didn't know. But I said, well, honey, we're going to get on the other side of this. Amen. First thing out of my mouth. Because you're a champion? No, because I'm a faith man. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's right. What would you want me to say? Right. Amen. If you can't say that in every situation, you've got some growing to do. Yes. Come on. Yes. We're going to get on the other side of it. You need to believe get on the other side of stuff. Because the devil will throw stuff at you constantly. It didn't involve me. It didn't involve my daughter, but my daughter who I dearly love. (laughs) I said, we're going to get on the other side of that, honey. And we did. And she came out of it. She she can sing. She can talk. She can go to the restroom and eat food and be a normal person. Now her husband's in heaven, so she's got three boys to raise. Yeah. Just talking to you. Getting on the other side of that too. You talking as his grandpa? I'm talking as a man of faith. Yes. I am her her daddy, and the grandpa of those three boys. But 
I talk my faith. That's Amen. what I, I always Amen. talk my faith. Amen. You're going to not catch me t talking anything but faith. Right. I've trained myself. Right. I'd rather just tell you a dirty joke than, than talk unbelief. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can't speak for other people, just speaking for myself. Yeah. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. You've got to get rid of fear. If you don't, the devil will come. He'll bring the things you're afraid of to you. Yeah. About the time we get a handle on one disease or something, there's a new one out there. We never heard of this before. And all of a sudden, three million people have it. Or 10 million people. Well, that doesn't involve you. The Bible says a thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. Isn't that what it says? It won't come near you. Now, you're not happy that it's out there, but you're happy that you're not affected by it. Hallelujah. Yeah. So fear, and notice he says, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. So you don't deal with fears, it brings things to you. Hallelujah. All right, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, I'll just quote it for you. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. The Amplified, which is real close to the Greek, says a calm and well-balanced mind. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. I'm quoting it because of time here. And sometimes fear will come through television, through books, through movies and experiences. I was on a plane one time thinking about books. People are crazy. <laughs> and I was, I was sitting next to a guy. I was in first class and he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. What do you do? Oh, I'm an elder of the church. Oh, really? What church? And he named the church. I know the church in Louisville. Giant church. He had a Stephen King book in the oh. seat pocket. And this is what he told me. Yeah, my son writes horror plays for Christians. Matter <laughs> <laughs> with you, ignorant. He's blagging about being an elder at this church, and he's reading Stephen King. I don't know if you know who that guy is. You better stay away from Stephen yeah. King literature. Yeah. He'll fill you with the devil. Yeah. You can't read books that describe bizarre, macabre things and be normal. Yeah. All right. Because fear gets in sometimes. Yeah. You know, if you can't handle the news, turn it off. Yeah. You do have an off switch, you know. And you got a clicker. Watch the home, Holy Ghost Channel, Home and Garden. I, they normally don't do a lot of cussing on there or any kind of immorality that I'm aware of. They just build houses, flip and flop and flop and flip and whatever. Oh, brother. You got to stay away from fear because it comes through televisions, books, movies, and experiences. We have the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of fear. Guard what you're watching and what you're hearing. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2 about that comment. I'm still talking about fear. 2 Peter, let me see here, 2 Peter 2 and 8. We're talking about be careful what you watch and be careful what you hear. And I'm going to show you an amazing scripture here about Lot. I already mentioned him once. In verse, uh, well, let's go back to verse 7. 2 Peter chapter 2. And verse 7, you there yet? Uh-huh. Okay. And deliver just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, 
vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. You, you got to watch what you see and what you hear. Right. Or you vex your own soul. Mm -hmm. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions get affected by what you look at yeah. and what you listen to. Yeah. How many are listening to me? Yes. Don't do that to yourself. That's right. I mean, that, that's a weird thing to do. And that's what happened a lot. And we, we saw how he responded when the angels came to deliver him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so thankful for the angels, but that guy, they had to drag him out of the city, yeah. physically drag him out of the city. And they, he said to he told his wife, don't turn back. Well, she didn't listen either. She turned back, bam, she's dead. Anyway, praise the Lord. So we're seeing that he lived around immorality like that constantly, and it affected his way he thought, yeah. raising his daughters there in an environment of homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, homosexuality is not right. Yeah. And if you don't know if you're a man or a woman, I will pray for you. There's a lot of people who are confused about that. Whatever equipment you were born with yeah. is what you are. I know I'm being political here. I could care less. Turn me in if you want to. I don't care. I'm going to preach the gospel. All right. Now, so you don't want to vex your own soul by allowing yourself to hear things and watch things that are inappropriate, not just sexually, but just other stuff. You just need to watch yourself because that will begin to vex, have an effect on your mind. That's what your soul is, your mind, your will, and emotions. Okay. Now here's number eight. Now we're moving now. We're getting closer to the end. Anger and violence. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I think I have it written out here. I do. Uh, Ephesians 5. Excuse me. Ephesians 4. I said the wrong chapter. Ephesians 4 and 26 and 27. It says here to us, Be ye angry and sin not. Uh, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I take it like this. Before I go to bed every night, I need to be careful that I'm not angry about something. And if there would be anything between me and my wife, I make that right. But normally there's not. But I'm just saying, don't let the sun go down on your wrath and then wake up angry. And then it says, neither give place to the devil. So we see from this passage that anger is an access point for the devil to get into your life. I just can't believe she said that. What was wrong with her? Why would he say that about me? There we go. I don't get on the internet. I could care less what people write about me. I'm not moved by their slander and I'm not moved by your cheers. Just want you to know that. I'm, just, I'm moved by God alone. I mean, you know, I'd like people to like me, but if they don't, that's too bad. I'm going to go on with my good self. No, I am. I'm serious. You've got to settle some things. You think I'm radical. I'm just a normal believer that believes the Bible. That's what I am. I'm just a normal believer. That took God at his word, didn't say, well, let's see, psychologically, I don't know if that would work. Boy, you're full of something. It's not God. The professors at, sem the professors at your school taught you that. To challenge everything that's right. So, it's not a sin to be angry, but it's a, sin, it's a sin to allow your anger to drive you into sin. It's a sin to allow anger to hang out with you. Some things make you angry, but you've got to learn to deal with that and say, Father, I'm not going to stay in anger. Amen. And by the end of the day, settle it. 
You know, a lot of people divorce today because somebody said something in their marriage and they got offended about it and got upset about it and they dwelt on it and dwelt on it and dwelt on it. That thing grew and grew and grew until it took them over and then they just said one day, I don't want to live with you anymore. And all they had to do was just maybe converse with the person who said it, if it's your mate. You should be able to do that or not get married. Amen. <laughs> you know there's another individual if you're married besides yourself. How many understand that? It's not all about you. It's about you too. And you have to be willing to give in to one another appropriately when that's called upon. And if you're any kind of normal human, it's, you'll, have, you'll be called upon to do that as a male and as a female. You've got to get in agreement. Yes. You know, if you're in strife, nothing's going to work for you. Amen. You could make all the right confessions like I do and act like you believe what I'm teaching, but then it, it, nothing's working. If there's no fruit out here, it's not working. You've got to correct whatever's causing there to be no fruit. Yes. Let's have some brains about us. If something's coming up in your life and it's not godly and it's not right, somebody planted the seed and you nourished it. Don't do that to yourself. Amen. Begin to start saying what God says about you. Amen. And if you're married, be a person uh, easily agreeable yes. with your mate. Unless it's just something far-fetched. You know what I'm saying. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, all right, let's see where am I at. Drugs and alcohol. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> Drugs and alcohol lower your inhibitions. In other words, you would do things when you're high on drugs or alcohol that you normally wouldn't have done mm -hmm. because you're not in your right mind. Mm -hmm. How many know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So we need to deal with that. Let's, uh, uh, drugs and alcohol blur the lines people would not cross when they're thinking clearly. They cloud your judgment. So it's just better not to drink. Let's go to Proverbs 20. I'll just give you a couple of verses here. Hallelujah. You know, I've got four more verses in this back pocket, three more in this one, two in my shoe. Just in case you want to come argue, I'm not going to argue, but I've got extra resources. Yeah. I'm just teasing with you sometimes. I'm a pretty blunt person, but that's just the way I am, you know. Not being mean, not trying to be mean or smart, Alec. I just know what I'm talking about when it comes to this because... I've been around it for 40 some years and God taught me. I, I told that last night, God said, I want you to learn about demons and deliverance. Mm -hmm. And my concern was not for me so much as it was for the people I pastored. Because right. I said, I don't have answers for these people. Mm -hmm. And the Lord didn't say that deliverance was a total answer, but he said, I want you to learn about demons and deliverance, Michael, correctly. Don't listen to anybody else's tapes. Don't read anybody else's material. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts. Do what I did, do what the early church did, and you'll be successful. And I've been successful. Amen. I've had all kinds of people delivered. Mm -hmm. All kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Yep. Good had a guy come to me one time, married with two kids, said, I want to murder my children. I said, oh, my God. Jesus, come out of him. God threw him on the floor and levitated him about that far off the ground. I could have put my arm under him. And he just quivered like that for a few seconds and slapped him on the carpet and he got delivered. Yeah. You don't have to have all that extra stuff, but that's what happened with him. Yeah. And he's still married and didn't kill his children. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's talking to you. Yeah, I've been to a couple of county fairs in the hayride. 
And I don't need to know what you're coming up here for if you come this morning. You just need to know that you could be delivered. That's the main, the bottom line. That's all we need to talk about. We don't need to discuss anything or I'm giving you best I can right now. Drugs and alcohol. So let's look at Proverbs 20 verse 1. It says, wine is a mocker. Didn't even say Jack Daniels. Said just wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby, there's deception right there. You're deceived to think you can drink and it don't affect anything. How many are listening to me? So we're talking about drugs and alcohol. And then let's go over here to Proverbs 23, please. And look at verse 29 uh, through 32. Uh, this is an interesting scripture. It's talking about drinking. Who has woe? You know, I don't want any woe in my life. You know what woe is? That's not good. Yeah. Who has sorrow? You know what sorrow is? It's, it's discouragement, depression. Who hath contentions? You know, people argue. Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Notice that. In other words, drinking put this person in a position where they had wounds without a cause for it except that they drank. And they got in a confrontation or whatever. And a lot of people get shot in bars and clubs and homes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. One of my, one of my sons is in a city and um, they got partying in a house and the guy shot this young girl. He didn't mean to, but he killed her. And, uh, you know, he went to prison for it. She's 17 years old. He was drunk. And he's going to spend time behind bars for that, unfortunately. Should, is it the wrong place? And he shouldn't have been having a firearm anyway, but anyway, just talking to you here. It says, they that tarry long at the wine, that's who has these problems, the sorrow and the woe. And they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it's red, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moves itself aright. At the last, and that kind of indicates it's got a living something in it, kind of, it moves itself, and bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. What's that indicate? Demonic powers right there. It bites like a serpent, an adder would sting you. That's a snake. So anyway, we're talking about saying powerful medication sometimes can dull your discernment. How many know that? You have to guard what you put in your body because it affects your mind. Okay, I'm on number 10. I, I bet you're happy about that. <laughs> uh, we've done pretty good, I think. In chapter 19 of Acts, let's look over here a minute. Chapter 19. Um, chapter 19, let me find that here. Chapter 19. And you know what? When I was a Baptist boy, they had Halloween party at church in the basement. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how ignorant that was? I think the deacons were dressed up like ghosts and stuff and tried to jump out of closets and scare the you-know-what out of you. And, you know, that is pathetic. It's all fear-based. That's all fear-encouraged. In a Baptist church in the basement, they decorated for Halloween and had a Halloween party. No wonder I didn't like church. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd had it up to here with church when I got 15. I said, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just what I said to my mom, I'm not going back. It's, it's stupid. It's ugly. It's, I don't know what I'm doing there anyway. It don't seem to help me. 
So I drank and became a drug addict and da 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 and then finally woke up one day and realized I'm going to die if I don't get out of this and I'm a drug addict and I'm lost 80 pounds shooting speed and I'm carrying a gun, I'm acting wild, I'm insane, help me Jesus. And I went to a meeting and got saved. Amen. Yeah. So I'm just talking to you. But having a Halloween party at the Baptist church in the basement. Can't, you know, looking back on that, you just want to slap them all. You say, what is wrong with your head? Yeah. This guy's seminary trained. I went to the same seminary he went to. The pastor there. Goofy. You shouldn't have anything to do with the occult. Amen. No matter how innocent it may be. You know, I, the, the lady came to me one time in church. I was attending. I wasn't the pastor there, but I made it my church because I liked the pastor and he was a word guy. And this lady came to me and said, my 13-year-old daughter went to a slumber party and they used a Ouija board and they got involved in stuff and she got fooled with and she is messed up now. Would you come pray deliverance over? I said, I will under two conditions. Number one, you talk to the pastor and get his okay for me to do that because I'm not the pastor here. Number two, I want Judy Johnson with me. She's a lady in that church. She knows about deliverance. If she's with me, I'll minister to your daughter and only under those two circumstances. So she went to the pastor and the pastor said, okay. And I called him to confirm it. And he said, yeah, I gave you permission. And I called Judy and she came with me. We met this 13 year old girl and cast the devil out of her so she wouldn't be a lesbian. God. And she got delivered. God. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Yeah. I'd hate to think of for 13 to whatever she'd be now, probably 50, mm. if she'd have stayed in that goofy lifestyle. Yeah. And it had it at the party, yeah. had just a sleepover. You better find out what your kids are doing. Amen. One time my daughter went to stay at a dentist. Uh, her, her daddy, my, my daughter's girlfriend, her dad was a dentist and I called him and I said, I want to know what you're planning to do tonight with my daughter. I understand she's coming to spend the night. He got real quiet on the other end of the phone. I said, sir, are you still there? He said, yeah, I just never had anybody do that while I'm doing it. Yep. And I said, I would like to know what your plans are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we're going to go to dinner and we're going to go to a movie. I said, nope, you're not going to go to a movie unless you call me first and tell me what movie you're going to go see with my daughter. Right. She's probably eighth grader. I don't remember. See, I was a good parent. Yeah. Amen. I did my best to protect her. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Yeah. I'll take a pat on the back for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and same for my son. Amen. My son went over to a house one time where they were drinking and partying, and, and he was not partying himself. And he said, Dad, you know, they brought out some pistols and were showing me that. And, I, and the Lord said, tell him, I said, you will never go back there. Do not go back to that house for any reason. You understand me? And man, when I said that to him, just like my daughter, they listened. And I said, do not go back over there. God warned me. He said, something's going to happen. So th this guy that had the house, he's still alive, but his friend was a drug addict. He came to my church and I prayed for him to get, to get saved, but he was just barely saved. And he took a shotgun, put it up in his mouth and blew his head out in that house where my son had been just a month later. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. See, you've got to pay attention. Or one time a little girl showed up at my doorstep at Christmas. It was snowing outside. She drove up, knocked on the door. And she, I said, can I help you? He said, is Jordan here? I said, did he ask you to come here? No. I said, goodbye. Get in your car and leave. 
You really say that? I really said that. You don't want to fool with me about my kids. Yeah. I don't care if you like it or don't approve of it. It don't matter a bit to me. And I went upstairs to him. I said, you don't want nothing to do with that girl. She's a loose girl. You stay away from her. She'll mess you over. And he stayed away from her. Same for my daughter. My daughter came home one time and said, so-and-so wants to take me on a date. He said, don't you do it. And if you do, God will tell me, I'm going to be really frustrated with you, and I'm, you're going to be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Don't have nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, yes, sir, and she didn't date him. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take the bull by the horns. Right. What's this have to do with the occult? I don't know, but it's pretty good teaching. <laughs> chapter 19 you know God gave your children parents to do stuff like that when necessary I didn't do that with every kid but sometimes I had to say stay away from them yeah verse 17 of Acts 19 and this was known to all in fact this is a story about exorcism when people didn't know how to do it right and they got hurt But it gets to verse 17. This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all in the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. It's talking about occultic stuff. You know, I was in seminary. 1976 through 78, and uh, I do have one more thing here to talk about. You okay? Yes, I don't know when we started, but <laughs> but I, I, you know, I had some books that I held over from when I was a drug addict, Josh, and I had this book. I think it was by Herman Hess. He was a philosopher, and the Lord said, Michael, you shouldn't have these books in your bookshelf. That's what he told me. I was just, I mean, I'm just barely, I'm saved, but you know, that's about it. Been saved a few years and whatever teaching got in the Baptist church, that's all I knew. It wasn't about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went in there and I had two books and I got them and put them on the barbecue thing, put lighter fluid on them. And my wife was my witness and we put it on fire and those books screamed. <laughs> Came out of those books. Mm-hmm. God's my witness. My wife heard it. See, there was something demonic in those, and he wanted me to get rid of them. Then we had about 500 albums, mostly trash, you know, rock and roll, heavy metal, whatever you call it. And the Lord said, you know, I said to the Lord, well, I could take them over to this bookshop over here two blocks from me. They give me a dollar forever. That's $500. Lord said, don't do it, Michael. Somebody else will get that trash and listen to it. You put a screwdriver and a hammer to all that. We sat in the living room floor. I broke every album up and just put them in a trash bag and set them out by the curb. See, because we were serious. And we were new at all this and God was helped cleaning our lives up. I didn't mean to freak you out about that scream, but I'm telling you. (laughs) What a world, what a world. Remember the wicked witch? Yeah. What a world, what a world. All right. One last thing here, your words. Your words will give place to the devil. Go to these two passages with me. Proverbs 15 and verse 4, and then also uh, go to Ecclesiastes, which is past Proverbs. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I'm going to let you find those Proverbs 15 and Ecclesiastes 10. 
and we'll read one verse from each of these chapters. I'm talking about your words. You know, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. So when you speak wrong, there's a group over here, demonic spirits that are listening for your words. And you've heard me teach on angels, I'm sure here. And there's another group over here that when I speak in in alignment with the Word of God, they hear that and they start doing that. But if I'm speaking over here something that's contrary to Scripture, then that's demonic and those spirits begin to work to bring that to pass. I mean, I've seen people, they were highly educated. I mean, really college educated, qualified to do their job. But this is the way they talk. If I get a good job, I lose it. Mm. And they went to work. They were the best of all the 10 nominees and they got the job, got good money, but they talked wrong and they got in strife with their boss and got fired. Then he got another job and he got in strife with some of the other people around him because he said, I can't keep a good job. Mm. <laughs> See, the devil will accommodate you too. He'll start working to bring that to pass. Yes. The power of life and death is in your tongue, yes. not God's tongue. Right. Right. He is life. But I mean, he's talking to us down here when he, when he said that power of life and death is in my tongue. But this verse here, Proverbs 15, verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Now, perverseness just means twisted speech. When you speak contrary to the word, that's what he means when he says perverseness. It's a breach or a rip or a tear in the spirit. You follow what I'm saying? See, you're a spirit being, but you, God says he can put a hedge about us. But if we break that hedge down by talking wrong, we make a hole. We make a rip. A breach is a tear or a rip. Then go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 8. And I want to read this scripture with the Proverbs one. He that digs a pit shall fall into it. And you can do that with your mouth, by the way. And whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. What's that? The devil will bite you. Remember, he's looking for whom he can devour. So when you talk wrong, you make a rip or tear. And Job said, you know, in the book of Job, it says, uh, God said, he said, I made a hedge about him, but he broke his own hedge down by being in fear. Remember Job? And the devil came in and bit him, caused him to have sore boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And he had three jerks for friends and they told him it was God. Yeah. And at the end of the book of Job, he said, you shouldn't have listened to your idiot friends. If you'll pray for them, I'll get them right too. And it says God restored to him all that he had plus some. Job. Somebody said, you know, you're as poor as Job's turkey. He didn't have any turkeys. Whatever he had, he was the richest man in the east. He lost everything, but God restored it all back to him. When he got a a brain and realized that God was not the one doing that to him, it was the devil. How many of you understand what I just said? Yeah, you don't want to tear up your own life by your words and make rips and tears in the protection you have around you. And I just think people don't know that. They think, well, I'm just talking. Well, I know you're talking, but you're talking whatever you're talking. Your spirit doesn't know the difference. Your spirit will try to bring to pass whatever you say. You're created that way. For your words to set the course of your life. James told us that. And he said, you can even turn a giant ship with the words of your mouth. You can turn a big old horse, 1,400, 1,500 pound horse with a bridle in his mouth. 
Yeah, you listening? You can turn things with your mouth. Yes. Turn them the right way or turn them the wrong way. But you did it. I'm just trying to help you. Don't be silly. You, you're, you're, you're doing something every day you're talking. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Sometimes I, you know, I just don't have something to say. And I don't just talk to hear myself talk. But I do talk to myself every day the Word. Mm-hmm. I make confessions every day because I know that's the right thing for me to do. And it keeps me in good stead with my Father. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 